Before we get started this week, I want to tell you guys about Seasoned. When it comes to finding or filling restaurant jobs, logging into Craigslist is like diving headfirst into a dumpster fire. At Seasoned, you'll use resources, connections, and yourself to build your restaurant career in half the time. That means better jobs for proven talent, better talent for proven restaurants, and better lives for the entire restaurant community. Join today at Seasoned.co. Yep, they dropped the M to save you another second. So that's Seasoned.co. I also want to tell you about our website, which recently launched. It is awesome. It is fwfoodstories.com. That's F-W-F-O-O-D-S-T-O-R-I-E-S.com. On the website, you can check out all of our latest podcasts as well as our archive of episodes. Um, We've got a store on there, so you can buy a T-shirt, a mug. um, You can get a dog bandana. There's a million different things you can get on there. And then also on the website, um, we have a newsletter. So uh, if you scroll to the bottom, you can sign up for the newsletter and we will send out our podcast via email every single week. Uh, So go check that all out. It's fwfoodstories.com. After that, I ended up just kind of experimenting with some flavors and making pops a lot at home. And um, I would end up having so many that I would have to invite people over to eat them. Going the Kickstarter route is really intimidating. Um, It is an all or nothing fundraising platform. So you either hit your goal and get the money or you don't hit your goal and you don't get a dime. You know, you talk to someone who doesn't like popsicles, but they want to buy from you. Like, that's a really big deal. It's like, I just converted someone. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Creange. Today, I am joined by Carolyn Phillips from Alchemy Pops. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Sure, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fun. Uh, I can already tell from the pre-interview this is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun (laughs) podcast. So glad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So first of all, congratulations on your first brick and mortar. I I believe it opened this year, right? Yes, this year. We opened the first day of spring, so March 20th, uh, 2018. Cool. So right in time for busy season. How's that been going so far? It's been great. It's been awesome summer for us. Um, It's a whole new experience for me as a business owner, transitioning from a mobile catering company into our our first brick and mortar, but it's been really great. It's realizing how many people were waiting for me to do that, which was really relieving and being able to welcome regulars into the door. I spent a lot of time telling people no, that we weren't out at a pop cart or that no, we can't handle that size of an order or things like that. So it's really a good feeling this year to start saying yes to a lot of things we couldn't do before. And where is the brick and mortar? I've I've actually yeah. never been to the brick and mortar. I've had uh, your pop cart before. But, Fantastic. Uh, well, you'll have to mortar. pop by the shop. Yeah. So it's on um, South Main Street. So the address is 411 South Main Street. And the development that we're a part of is called the 411, creatively named after the address. <laughs> and uh, we are actually part of um, a little group of retail shops. And then the 411 also has an event venue. So it's a... A renovated 1920s warehouse kind of compound development that is is really cool um, structure, and we're really lucky to be a part of it. 
cool. Yeah. Um, so this has to feel like you've come a long way. Like you have to be really <laughs> proud of yourself, right? I mean, in 2015 is when you started your your Kickstarter. Yeah. Just to get the business off the ground. Yeah. I mean, tell me about that process from then till now. Well, it's, you know, people ask me how I got started and um, I probably should have a better answer by now, but it really did feel like it was just sort of this sideways thing that turned into something fun that I kind of have kept rolling. So yeah, in 2015, I had the idea of um, just making popsicles. And the funny thing is, is popsicles is actually a trademarked word. Um, It's owned by Unilever. So really the technical term that we have to use is frozen pops. Um, But, you know, everybody, it's just like Kleenex or a Xerox copy, you know, it's like, it's actually a brand name. Um, But I got started, um, I threw a party at my house and I combined what I'd picked up at the farmer's market with our liquor cabinet and I made boozy pops for our (laughs) friends. And obviously that was a big hit. Um, People love booze and people love pops. And when I put them together, it was just, it was a great time. And um, after that, I ended up just kind of experimenting with some flavors and making pops a lot at home. And um, I would end up having so many that I would have to invite people over to eat them, which evolved into um, I would just send out like an email invitation to a bunch of folks and they would come over and we'd call it, you know, pops on the patio or something. Um, And then I ended up creating um, a little piece of paper and I called it a pop quiz. And I would ask people like, Hey, do you like these flavors? What do you think of it? If there was a flavor I haven't thought of, you know, what should I try? If you were going to buy this, what would you pay for it? Um, and just kind of getting feedback of like, is this really something I'm having a blast doing it? Is it really something that makes sense to do? Um, and so in 2015, I thought, you know, why not? Popsicles are fun. People like them. I like them. I like making them. Um, And so one day my husband had come back from a business trip and I had two big chest freezers in our dining room and they were full of popsicles. And he was like, what is happening here? And I was like, I think I'm starting a popsicle business. Um, I hope you're cool with that. So I ended up that year entering into um, the Fort Worth Business Plan competition, which was awesome. I ran a small Kickstarter, like you mentioned, um, and just... I literally was, you know, quote unquote, asking people to help me bring the pops to the people. I didn't really know anything about, I have no culinary background. I don't know the first thing about running a food business and um, just thought it would be a really fun adventure to take. And so one thing has led to another. Um, And so from that um, business plan competition that I did, I ended up placing in the top three. And so with the winnings that helped me make the kind of now in hindsight, I mean, at the time, I guess it felt crazy. I don't know. It didn't feel as crazy as I guess it really was to quit my job and <laughs> just yeah. make a popsicle go of it. Um, but but yeah, by the end of 2015, I decided to quit my job and do what I wanted to do, um, which was grow Alchemy Pops into something. And uh, and that was that was the beginning. I had bought my first pop cart on Craigslist, and now we've grown to five mobile units and, and our own pop shop. So it's been a fun three years for sure. <laughs> uh, has there ever been a time here where you second guessed yourself um, or have you always been pretty confident with yourself? Well, um, I think I've always just been a confident person. I think that it's only natural to question yourself, though, particularly if you're quitting your job and giving up a paycheck and deciding to do something 
um, that you've never done before and that you don't really know anything about. So I think that, you know, some healthy skepticism of yourself is good. But um, I think that there's something about entrepreneurs and maybe particularly food entrepreneurs that is just this naive optimism like, oh, yeah, like that'll totally work (laughs) out. (laughs) That sounds like a great idea to start a popsicle company. Um, But, you know, at the time, um, I was a nonprofit fundraiser. I'd been a nonprofit fundraiser for five years. And um, it kind of felt like that phase of my career was kind of closing that maybe I was looking for that next thing to do. And um, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, how many popsicles do I have to sell to replace my nonprofit salary? <laughs> so run some numbers, win a business plan competition, and it's not that many. So <laughs> um, so I really think um, you do have to have confidence in yourself. Um, but, you know, it is a risk. And I and I think looking at it now, it it didn't feel as risky um, at the time, honestly, because you're just you're wrapped up in the excitement. It's just you're hustling and you're making it work. And I think um, I can't speak for everybody, but from my personal experience, when you're hustling and loving what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work and it doesn't feel as much like um, a big risk. And so it is easier to be confident in it. One of the things that I would think might be an issue um, is an off season. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's one of the few foods that actually has an off season, uh, being the winter. And and granted, the Texas winter is not that crazy bad, right? Um, but how do you handle that off season? And and uh, have you started selling anything else um, to make up for that? Yeah. So um, it is kind of nice. I've always leaned into the seasonality of my business. Of summer is downright crazy. Um, and it is good to find some balance in the winter time. Um, and particularly in the beginning, I would just, um, shut all the operations down and my husband and I would travel. Um, and it was just a good way to use the winter for us. Um, and obviously that's a different story now that we have the brick and mortar pop shop. And, um, but overall there actually is, I mean, there's a noticeable dip from summer to winter, um, for frozen foods, but a lot of people still really like creamy and frozen treats in the winter. Um, and particularly thinking about how we adjust our menu options, we definitely lean more towards creamy and ice creamy pops um, in the fall and winter, um, where summer is all about fruit and icy based pops. Um, and then definitely uh, just adjusting your operations and your sales to that kind of seasonality of like we're pitching different types of packages and um, reaching out to more people to talk about holiday party bookings than we have to in the summer when popsicles sort of sell themselves (laughs) in the summer, which is pretty great. Um, (laughs) So you've been committed since the beginning to highlighting Texas made and Mm -hmm. um, uh, Texas made and grown products within your shop. Uh, Why did you decide on that business model? Well, I think I was proud of it. I'm, I mean, I'm a proud Texan. I, I love being able to highlight local farmers. I think that's, that's something that, um, from the very beginning, I was just walking around the Cowtown farmers market, um, and asking farmers, you know, what do they have coming up in season? Can I plan my flavors around that? What do they think would be, um, a great 
way to pair flavors. And um, and it really coming from those local producers thinking about, um, you know, it's a farmer's adage to say what grows together goes together. Um, those flavors that, you know, that's why, um, you know, tomatoes and basil grow really well together. That's why spaghetti sauce is so delicious. <laughs> um, you know, thinking of those things and how they apply to um, different flavors for popsicles. So really from the beginning, those local Texas farmers have been um, influencers of my ideas of how we pair our, our flavors. Um, but also, um, I have a background, my master's degree is in food system sustainability, and really thinking about how do we take advantage of highlighting what we have in our own backyard. Um, not that there's anything wrong with mango and coconut and banana, um, and all of these things that I get from other places to make popsicles, but really having the opportunity to share what's great about our local biome, like what tastes great in Texas and is the most fresh that we can provide our customers, I think feels great to make and feels, um, and tastes, you know, um, even better. So what kind of vetting process do you go through when picking a vendor? Well, a lot of times, um, you know, it really just does come down to taste. Um, we do have to figure out availability. There are some people that make very small batches, and I love to purchase from them. Um, and then there are times when we have to use a much larger distributor, so we don't have that one-on-one -on -one connection with a farmer. We've got, so coming up for us um, this fall is all of Texas citrus coming back in season. So we'll be launching a whole new citrus line in the pop shop. Um, but we're buying in volume where we're purchasing through um, a produce distributor. So it's not the same kind of relationship as rolling over to the farmer's market and picking up, you know, a few random ingredients. So um, it kind of runs the gamut, but it is really great to keep those connections and make sure that, you know, we can maintain um, those kinds of community relationships um, and be proud of being a Go Texan certified brand of um, trying to highlight what we love best about our state. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about Pops for a Cause? Sure. So um, I guess, I mean, really, it's a carryover from my nonprofit fundraising days, but being able to um, donate back to our local nonprofits has been important to me from the beginning. I love that um, you know, I can still be a part of the nonprofit community through my for-profit company. And the funny thing is, actually, <laughs> is that, um, you know, I graduated from TCU. I, I went to business school. Um, but while I was at TCU, I actually went um, and got jobs at nonprofits and graduated, went to grad school. My assistantship was with a nonprofit, um, got out of grad school, worked for nonprofits. And so the first time as an adult that I've worked for a for-profit company is the one that I made up. And so um, being able to um, maintain that connection and really think about the role a for-profit company can have in giving back um, has been really fun and being on the other side of that that table, if you will. Um, but yeah, so through Pops for a Cause, it's sort of an umbrella for different things that we do, whether that's just donating outright to nonprofits, whether that's setting up at events and doing a percentage kickback, which we do quite often with our pop cart catering, um, or if it's reaching out to our paying clients to ask them if they'd like to sponsor 
um, popsicles for um, different organizations. Like we've actually done that where um, a client of mine wanted to sponsor um, popsicles for Mikasita um, Spanish Immersion Preschool for their summer camps. And so we were able to do that um, over the summer. So being able to do things like that, create those partnerships has been really fun. This past month in September was Hunger Action Month. So we did quite a few things with the Tarrant Area Food Bank um, and just trying to circle around, right? Um, We wouldn't be anywhere without a community of support. Um, People literally giving me money through Kickstarter um, to get going. And so it, it is really important to me to make sure that we are a part of the community, that we're linked in a way that makes people feel like you're not just buying popsicles, but we're, you know, a part of Fort Worth, a part of Texas. Yeah, um, I, I think that's great and a great business model and, and really cool to be able to uh, give back. And yeah. it seems like even through your business, you're you're kind of giving back by buying Texas made and, and Texas owned. And uh, so I think that's awesome as well. Um, you you brought it up, uh, the support that you've gotten from the community. Um, and, and you've had two Kickstarter campaigns that were really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of validation does that give you? Uh, just for your own product? And then um, how does it make you feel to have people believe in you that much? Oh, my gosh. It definitely – I mean, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. I You can sit by yourself in a room and think you're awesome, <laughs> and that's, that's great. Um, but if nobody's going to buy your product or nobody wants to put their hard-earned money behind it, then you don't have a business. Um, you know, going the Kickstarter route is really intimidating. Um, It is an all or nothing fundraising platform. So you either hit your goal and get the money or you don't hit your goal and you don't get a dime. Um, And so the process of going through Kickstarter um, is pretty grueling. Um, It's emotionally (laughs) exhausting. Um, You know, asking people for money is not most people's favorite thing to do. Um, I have gotten pretty good at it um, (laughs) as a nonprofit fundraiser. And so being able to um, be comfortable with that and invite people into the process um, has been really nice because people do want to feel like they're a part of it. Um, And realizing that you're creating something and people are interested in seeing how it works and how you're doing it um, is really valuable feedback for, for one. But the difference between my first Kickstarter and my second Kickstarter was pretty stark in that, you know, money was coming in from people I did not know. And being able to realize that people that know only the brand and not me were wanting to back the company um, was pretty, pretty incredible. So and then through the second Kickstarter, we did um, even larger partnerships that sprung up. QuickBooks Online was actually one of our um backers and so being able to um make these bigger connections through these technology platforms just really blows my mind of um the opportunities that are there for people who are putting their ideas out there and being like well this might not work but it might and <laughs> i'd really love it if you you know thought about it and even more amazing if you put your money behind it that's a it's a really big deal it still kind of boggles my mind that people give me their money. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it really is like the nicest thing um, that people walk in multiple times a week, our regulars, you know, I think of Rob the regular and he comes in and, you know, it's just so nice that uh, people really do care about what you're doing and think that it's cool. Um, And I know not everybody has the same appreciation of how difficult it has been to build a company or to keep it going. And um, I know a lot of the folks on 
this podcast can relate to just kind of the grind of keeping it up and keeping it going. But it really is worth it when, you know, people are buying your product and telling you how much they love it or, you know, you talk to someone who doesn't like popsicles, but they want to buy from you. Like, that's a really big deal. It's like, I just converted someone, you know, it's just, it's a really, um, it's really hard to explain how great that feels and it makes it very worth it. And you had mentioned regulars. Uh, what are some of the other differences you've found now having a brick and mortar um, that you didn't necessarily see uh, when you had those pop-up shops? Sure. I mean, I think there's definitely a perception change. Um, you are a more legit business if you have a brick and mortar shop. Um, you know, before we were sort of nomadic and <laughs> we were places at certain times who were hard to find um, if we were only having our pop carts uh, pop up around town. Um, and if you just wanted to buy one popsicle, well, I couldn't do that for you. You know, it's a pre-catered event or it was a community event. Um, and if you didn't happen to be there, then um, that was just kind of tough luck. And so that was really hard to deal with, but we couldn't afford to do otherwise at the time. And so now having a shop is great. People know where to find us at regular times <laughs> that they can rely on. And so um, that's been really great to literally have an open door for people to come in, um, taste our pops, enjoy the space that we've created to do that, meet my team, um, and just have a nice time. So yeah, it's definitely been a huge game changer. So I think the credibility as a brand is a big one. Um, I think the feeling of the shift as a business owner, it's just a different model to um, be driving and growing. Um, and that's been a, just a whole series of learning lessons for me, but that's definitely kept it interesting and um, kept me excited about this new chapter for Alchemy Pops for sure. Good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what What are those events like? Is it crazy trying to mass produce popsicles uh, for <laughs> a, a huge event? Yeah. I mean, it is. And really thinking about you know your previous question about how far you've come, sometimes I really marvel at the amount of time it would take me to do something and then now having our you know our industrial machinery imported from Brazil that makes popsicles and my team and all this stuff that's like wow it feels amazing to have gotten to this point of you know having to wait for pops in this mold that I bought on eBay from China in a blast freezer of and it was so heavy oh my gosh I swear I didn't realize starting a popsicle company would basically be like weightlifting training, um, but it kind of is. I am a much stronger person than I was before of thinking how many popsicle molds I've lifted, carts, coolers full of 10 pounds of dry ice and all these popsicles. So um, yeah, mass producing on a scale that we hadn't been able to do before is is pretty incredible. Having machines that make hundreds of popsicles per hour that, you know, I didn't have access to in the beginning um, and was working towards. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty um, unreal thing to think, you know, a year ago, how much prep time needed to go into each event. And now, you know, if it's a day when we have four events going on at the same time, we've got people doing those and manning them and plenty of pops. And, um, you know, it really is one of those things. All of those baby steps led to that kind of epiphany moment you have where you're like, wow, I really we've made progress. You know, <laughs> like you're in the trenches a lot of, um, you know, how things are working and what can be improved all the time. And it really is amazing to take a step back and say, 
wow, we are really, we're doing it. We are getting better. We are getting more efficient. Um, it's always going to be crazy. And particularly, I mean, catering is always a little bit of chaos. You never get the right information. You show up on site and it's not going the way that the event person thinks it would be or whatever the case may be. And I think particularly for me and my team, we talk a lot about um, just because it's someone else's emergency doesn't mean it needs to be our emergency and that we can be like the cool, chill out voice of reason <laughs> that shows up. I mean, that's part of our brand. I'm not just selling you popsicles. I'm selling you sunshine and smiles and Saturday vibes. And nobody wants the popsicle people to walk in and add to the frenzy. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're like the popsicles are here. We're all set. We're literally we roll up. We're ready to go there. We're not complicated. We want you to chill out and enjoy. And um, being able to be that is part of what our kind of culture of Alchemy Pops is. And I think it really helps <laughs> offset the craziness of catering for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you had talked about that culture in an interview with uh, Voyage Dallas, where you talked about your three core values being enjoy the mess, make it great and cultivate community. Yeah. How difficult is that for you to always be bringing that sunshine and, and that happiness uh, to to your business? Yeah, well, I think it's not hard um, in the sense that I think those are the ways that I naturally function. I think those are um, key values that I know are why I started Alchemy Pops. And I think I mentioned kind of this naive optimism of food entrepreneurs before. <laughs> and I think one of my superpowers is kind of that mind over whatever the heck is happening at the time, um, that it is about your perspective. And um, I say to my team all the time, like, this is not rocket science. What is the worst that's going to happen? Like, there's no reason to be really upset about this or to, you know, hold a grudge, like things happen, life happens. And our job is to make it sweeter. And that's a choice. That's an active choice that you get to make all the time. And so I think encouraging people to make that choice. Um, and train them to more easily opt into that choice uh, is just sort of how I'm naturally wired and what I hope kind of is communicated through what we do and how we kind of live our brand every day. It seems like you have a really close working relationship with your teammates. Mm -hmm. um, are they involved at all in bringing new flavors in and, and setting up the menu? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we get Oh, gosh, I take recommendations from everybody, um, from my operations manager to our pop stars that run the cash register or run our pop carts. If anybody has a suggestion, I'm open to it. All of our, our customers, we've actually taken a flavor off of the menu, and then they were like, I'm sorry, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and, and put it back on. And so um, we're totally open to that feedback. I think there are lots of crazy flavors that I personally have wanted to put on the menu. Um, and then if they don't work, then they, they come off. So it definitely is um, a negotiation all the time. But um, definitely the, the team comes up with quite a lot. We just released our, our Mexican hot chocolate flavor for fall. And um, that was definitely, that was a team recommendation. So and I didn't even work on the recipe. My operations manager came up with that, and um, it tastes delicious. And I'm like, great, this is a go, you know. <laughs> so it really is, um, again, back to it's not rocket science. It doesn't take a lot to make something that tastes really great if you're focused on using great ingredients, if you've got a good process of hand making it, paying attention to detail, um, hiring great people that, that love food too, um, you end up with with great products. 
Um, do you have a favorite flavor, or am I uh, am I putting you on the spot? I there? know <laughs> it's like picking your favorite kid. Um, you know, I they since the flavors change um, over the season, I would say there are certainly ones that come up during the year that are my favorite at the time. Um, I mentioned we're going to have our new citrus lime coming back, and our blood orange lime is one of my all time favorite flavors. Um, but I think just the regular, I, I'm always eating our peanut butter popsicles. Like I love our peanut butter ones. And then it's like, well, it's protein. Like this is a protein packed snack. I'm feeling good (laughs) about myself. Um, no, it really is, uh, so delicious. So those are the ones that I would probably sneak the most. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're, we're kind of coming up on time here. Um, but I want to ask you a final question. Um, and it's kind of a two parter, but um, what is next for you and, and Alchemy Pops? And do you see yourself expanding further in the future? Sure. Um, yeah, what I see coming up for Alchemy Pops, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities. I think it would be so amazing to keep growing and think about, you know, what is the next place that makes sense for us to expand? Um, whether that's another pop shop location, which I would absolutely love to see. Um, but also there are some ideas we've had about some other products. So some different brand verticals that we would launch off of Alchemy Pops that wouldn't necessarily be a Popsicle product. So um, some of those are in the works. I've got um, business advisors that are helping me work on those things. So I'm really excited of what next year might hold. Um, and then for me in particular, I mean, starting out Alchemy Pops has been such an incredible learning experience of taking an idea and making it into something that other people recognize or know about is really special and exciting. And I think that um, being able to do that is what keeps me going. The ever-changing environment is one that really drives me forward. And so um, I believe in my team and them running Alchemy Pops. And I there's a little part of me that's like, oh, there might be something else that I want to start too. Um, and whether that's just another food product that we come out with or um, how that plays out, we'll have to see. I don't know. I'm just, I think there's um, something about kind of when you talk to uh, people that are entrepreneurs that there's change for change sake, you know, really being able to um, think about what they want and being great at starting new things. And it's the running of it that I do find exhilarating, but not in the same way as starting something new. So there's really no telling. I don't have a concrete answer of where things are going, but um, I think 2019 will be a big one. Yeah, well, I think if if the last three years are any indication, it <laughs> probably will be. So I'm I'm excited to see where you go. And thank you, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Could you just remind people again where they can uh, find your store and, and find you online? For sure, thanks. Um, yeah, so Alchemy Pops is located at 411 South Main Street, so we're just south of downtown. Um, my favorite landmarks to say that we're located between is if you were between Raw Brewery and downtown, you would be at the Alchemy Pops Perfect. Pop Shop. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, and I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. That interview with Carolyn Phillips from Alchemy Pops was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu. That's csftw. Or you can reach them by phone. It's 817-737-8427. That's 817-737-8427.
1-800-273-8427. Also, you could check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school. If you look up Culinary School of Fort Worth, you'll find us on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram. 